Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast, episode two of this edition with our guy Jake Story at Talking Jake on Twitter. Uh, we're gonna we we did a little bit of talking Yanks and just talking baseball in that last episode. I think a lot of more general stuff around the game, but we want to get into some more specific Rockies talk. We are here. At Sports Column today, our sponsor for today's podcast, along with Breckenridge Brewery, where you can get all of their fine beers. You know, they're the official beer of BS in Denver. Also, you can hang out here at Sports Column before and after any Rockies game. It's a really convenient location. You let the traffic spill out of here. It can get pretty ugly on game days. Whether you want to get here early or get here late, you can pregame, you can postgame, you can pregame and postgame. Down here at Sports College. It's Colin. open. That's what I like. There's space here. Right. Uh, except on days when the Avalanche are trying to get right. to the next, you know, <laughs> there, were, there were some days. I've been down here, man. It gets super packed on those uh, those big nights. But it's also nice to have. It's a, Yeah, it's really That's wide open. That's when you want it to here. be packed. Yeah. That's when, if, you're, if you're coming here, maybe Cubs day game, you're going to have some action, but you could breathe a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Get some wings, get a burger, get some beers on happy hour or just whatever's on special. Enjoy little Rockies baseball, which is what we're doing now now and your boy everyone's boy yeah. L- look if, you, if you're not a tony walters fan you're not baseballing correctly but he's just driven in the tying run for the rockies in the top of the eighth with a single to right field the type of single we've been seeing all year long wasn't hit hard uh, he is specifically just trying to hit the ball over the infield did it again but we were talking a little before we came on here. There's, I want to get a lot of your Rockies takes here, Jake, but particularly for a guy like Walters, when he doesn't slug, he doesn't really walk, he catches the hell out of the baseball and can call a game. But what do you see when you're looking at a guy and you see a Rockies hitter hitting 280, you just go, ah, whatever, you know, Coors Field, and you get a little bit of hits, sir. What are you seeing with Tony when you watch him play? So for me... A, being a Yankees fan, I think the last time we talked, I went on a whole Gary Sanchez spiel um, because he's got some myths and some non-myths about him. Um, Catchers, for me, it's still... If you can contribute, and this might change at the end of the season because we've talked juice ball, we've talked some different stuff. There's some catchers out there having nice years. Um I, I won't bring up Tom Murphy because I know it's abbreviated. How dare you? But no, his, sir, how, sir, how dare you? <laughs> his teammate, Omar Narvaez. Some, I, I, always slaughtered, I always slaughter that last <laughs> name. But the Mariners right now have two catchers with OPSs in the high eights. So yeah. I, I, don't, I may have to reevaluate this after the season, but, ooh, tough Yonder double play. Alonso hits into a double play. Rockies will settle for the tie in the eighth. Tough double play, top eight, yonder show. Um, he's been fantastic, by the way. He was a nightmare for the nice White stats. Sox. He's, he's been really good I for the Rockies. I saw he had some nice yeah. stats. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, for, for someone like Tony Walters, who I, I double-checked with you because I was nervous to say it, but I, I've heard fantastic things about him defensively. If you're hitting 280-plus as a catcher, I don't really care what your OPS is, especially if you're playing good defense. I mean, if you're a guy that comes up and they have to be worried about you, because there's so many guys That's in this it, league right? who are catching that they're not. 
I do it in MLB The Show. When Martin Maldonado <laughs> comes to the plate, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw some fastballs over the yeah. heart of this thing. Get him He's going to get way. himself out. Uh, with Tony Walters, you can't do that anymore. The Houston Austro- the Astros. The Astros. The Astros. The London game. The, the London Houston Astros. <laughs> um, I swear to God. Shift on Tony Walters. Right. Right. <laughs> that's the world we live in now, Jake. And that's and that that's what's insane. And I baseball's starting to see a leveling out. I think. I think the juice ball actually might be slowing down the leveling out because you can hit a home run, you can hit a home run. Right. Um, but there's some guys that can still handle the bat that get shift on. That it's just like this isn't right. Um, so I I don't know. Maybe Walters falls in that category. Maybe he doesn't. But um, the fact that he's a threat is huge. And uh, circling back from, I guess, what will be last episode, um, I think DJ LeMahieu got shifted on five times this year, and he got a hit every time. Right. So he doesn't get shifted on, which the Arizona I don't know if that's twisting the knife no. or a fun shift fact, but either way, I just wanted it to be out there. Dude, the Arizona <laughs> Diamondbacks and San Diego Padres used to take their outfield, put their left fielder and put him basically in straightaway center field against yeah. DJ LeMahieu. Because of what the numbers said. Right. But, DJ, you know this. It's such a bat manipulate. Can you imagine somebody doing that now? What's he going to do? Loop it gently to left field for a double. He can do whatever he wants. It's that easy. Yeah. So I do want to ask you this as someone who lives in Denver, who consumes the game of baseball. Yes. The Rockies are 532 games out of the National League West uh, because the Dodgers are going to win the division. Yeah. Why turn on a Rockies game? Why would you? Jake Story, a Yankees fan, ostensibly, okay. living in Denver, turn on a Rockies game right now. The first name that did jump to mind, and it could it could be a little recency tonight, um, but I think I've already referenced uh, a couple things he's done recently. Tapia, man. I mean, you talk about... How about that? El- electric. And I'm a... Uh, so I, I should preface this with some different things. I mean, A, I mean, Nolan Arenado is Nolan Arenado is Nolan Arenado. You start to take I'm, him for granted after a while. We all I'm do. I'm always going to want to watch him play baseball. My two, The two positions I'm a sucker for on a baseball field are third base and center field. Oh, boy. Wade Davis, still not very good at baseball. Home run on the very first batter he faces. And the Rockies' tie ball game did not last more than one batter into the bottom of the eighth. Rockies fans, I'm sure you're all tweeting at me right now about Wade Davis. My, oh, my. Speaking of hitting catchers, isn't Carson Kelly actually having a really good year? He's going to be one of those juiced ball era guys. I, I was going to yeah, say, I mean, yeah. I didn't, I, I'm glad I didn't say He's going to have Drew, a 20-something on Drew Creaseman said right. that. Anyways. Um, Goodness. No, I, I'll, I'll say I, I'm, a, a bad I'm a sucker for third base and center field, so anytime I see an Arenado highlight, it's – it's it brings me to a different world. His his arm strength blows me away every time. Anyways, he I, had one the other day where they were shifted. He came in from the shortstop position, barehanded it, threw the guy out. And I just went, yeah, of course. And then right. they showed it again on replay. I went, no, 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 Drew, right. appreciate Six, this. Six three, come on, write bro. it down in the book. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, come it, on. It's it's unbelievable. So so that was unfair to kind of skip Nolan because he's he plays probably my favorite position when it's played right, and he's incredible. Eighteen home runs for Carson Kelly this year. I mean, Carson Kelly's going to end up hitting what like two two eighty twenty home runs. Yeah. Anyways, um, 
for, for me, for the Rockies and being a baseball guy, and I, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to set this up in a good way. Is that I, t- I told you, and when I say I, I wanted to get back in the Rockies stats because I, I have an idea what's going on. I followed the game pretty closely, but getting in the stats is getting in the stats. So on, on the way here, I was getting in there, and I was like, "Damn, Story's doing it. Story's having an incredible year." Arenado. Yep. Um, Still. No. Tony Walters. I was like, okay, good. Hey, look at that. He's doing some things. Um, and then you went, and Charlie, Chuck Nasty, man, he still does it. Still doing it at the plate. <laughs> like, at you a crazy level. You haven't had to watch him play right field like some of the rest of us right. have to. It's ugly out there, but boy, can he hit a right. baseball. He, he can still hit. Um, so The toughest thing to do in sports, and Charlie Blackman's one of the best in the world. Incredible Let's, let's just remember that. Incredible at it. So... This was my thing, and I, I think this is where I want to start this conversation because I think it's a good thing, and it's I think it's partially how I look at the game of baseball. The Colorado Rockies, when this when this season ends, and, I mean, you can have a lot of different thoughts about it. Obviously, a team that was in the wild-card playoffs to things fell apart real quick. You know, you're not going to be happy with that, and that's fine. You shouldn't be. That's not what you wanted from your team. You're going to look back. Tony, let, around the horn, Tony Walters. We like it. It's not a problem at all. Quality player. He can play defense. He'll give you some good at-bats. Fine. Plus, everyone loves his mustache. And I will say, <laughs> actually, he's the guy running around in the clubhouse right now. We ended the last episode talking about some clubhouse chemistry. He's the one guy running around. Herman Marquez has dealt with some cramp issues two of his last three times out. I walked into the clubhouse the other day. Tony Walters has put 17 bottles of water onto Herman Marquez's chair. He's yelling around in the shower, dropping F-bombs, telling everybody, let's go, let's go. I want to win today. I remember walking in one day when they were facing Clayton Kershaw, and he goes, nothing I like better than beating Clayton Kershaw. Man, we got a bit. That's Tony Walters does all those things right now. And you need that. You need that. So I I think you can look into next year, and, I mean, if Tony Walters takes a step, I mean, the guy is hitting over 280 right now. I mean, if he takes a step, is he hitting 290? Is he hitting 300? I I don't want to put that on Tony Walters. But either way, again, from the catcher position – if he's bringing what he does defensively and, like you said, in the clubhouse, you don't have to worry about that. From the average catcher possession, position, you're getting what you ask. First base, Daniel Murphy. I feel like this is probably a big conversation in Colorado. It's <laughs> pretty big. Dude can still hit. Like, yeah. like, look, let's be honest. He can hit the baseball, and, and when he's healthy, he can really hit the baseball. He puts together a good at bat. We were talking about DJ earlier. You never I, feel like, man – Murphy just took a crap at bat. You don't feel right. that way. I don't want to be too nerdy, but w- are his peripherals good? Because, like, I saw is it, he's still hitting around 280 himself, right? But, right. like, the OPS and the slugging aren't really there, which I think would sh- shock people to c- cores, et cetera, et cetera. Not the home runs you'd like. Right. And, I, and I think he'd be on pace for a lot of doubles if his first month hadn't been robbed. He had a whole finger, broken finger issue. Okay. Um so the slugging isn't where you'd like it to be. But, yeah, no, overall, I, I think he's been fine. He's got a weird contract situation, too, where it's like $8 million for next year and then a mutual option for 12 or $6 million the year after. Like, if it's picked up or not, you know, it's one of those weird uh, situations. So he can hit Right. his defense at first base 
has been more than suspect, and I think the Rockies would be happy if they could move him in the offseason, but they okay. won't feel terrible if he comes back to hit at Coors Field next year. Right. Okay. So I, I'll, I'll say that. So first base, if you're a Rockies fan, that's a position of, oh, no, uh, Tony Walters. Looks like he turned his ankle a little bit. This first error he has made all season. Wow. He's been fantastic defensively. Uh, he turned it a little bit. Looks like he overthrew on a stolen base attempt there. Uh, really too bad. You don't want to see Walters hurt at all. He's going to be a big part of this Rockies future. We were just talking about him. Yeah, uh, that was that was really weird. He tried to plant, and he just slipped a little bit. So yep. ho- hopefully that's just an ankle an ankle twist um that's that's a little tough especially what we're doing right now but he's staying in the game he's a catcher yeah he's these guys are tough he's on the man. avalanche um right. okay so first base if you're a rockies fan enjoy the offseason because that's going to be a huge discussion for right. you something that seems like it won't be a discussion for you second base mcmahon check out your boy most homers on the team since the All-Star break? Did Most I get that RBI right? Most RBI on the team as well since the All-Star and So break. I guess the thing I would send at you real quick is I, I don't know where he's at defensively. Is he average? Is fantastic. he above it? Really? Actually fantastic. Awesome. And, and, and Rockies fans okay. are going to say he's not DJ LeMayhew. No, he's not. Sure. He's not DJ. The three-time yet. gold glove winner. No. no, he's not. No, he's not. But Ryan McMahon has only played second base for about a year and a half. Right. I was going to say, wasn't he first base, second he base? He was a third baseman okay. coming up. He was a shortstop in high school because every major leaguer was a shortstop in high school. Uh, But I saw him play in third base in his early minor league career. He feels home there. Okay. He's He's got great arm strength as a third baseman. (laughs) That reminds me of someone. Yeah, doesn't it? Good defensive second baseman that can also play third pretty well. Yep. (laughs) Maybe a little first in a pinch. (laughs) 6'3", 6'4". And it's it's funny, it's weird, and you, you almost hate to draw the distinctions, yeah. but it's honestly, I think Rick, Ryan McMahon can be ultimately as good a defender as DJ LeMayhew made himself. Okay. And not the contact hitter, but overall a similar value hitter because of the power. Ryan right. McMahon hit two home runs the other night that were absolute, no doubt, one went 455 to straightaway center. One went 420-plus into the right center field gap for a bomb. Ryan McMahon, I think, I've believed in him since 2013. I met him at 18 years old as a rookie. He has all the intangibles, and now he has a lot of the tangibles. Yeah. So, and and so let's – that was beautiful, Drew. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, So – and so think about what you just said. I mean, next year, and I'll, I'll set you up for this, next year should any Rocky fan be concerned about who's coming in as their second baseman? No. No. So now let's... Unless they move McMahon to first, in which case we've just shifted this conversation. Right. So, well, and you've got a Garrett Hampson, Brendan Rodgers contingency at, right. at second base, and which I know is exciting. Rodgers is on the, what, 60-day IL yeah, or whatever. Yeah, he he's had some injury issues. He's got a little bit of that David Dahl problem going okay. on. But. So let's round out the infield. Story and Arenado. I think Where did got... that pitch miss? Sorry. <laughs> Come on, Wade. Story and Arenado. I think you guys are okay with them. Just because they're they're okay, they're they play good baseball. They're world sometimes. renowned shortstop and third base. Yeah. Okay, so we head to the outfield. Chuck Nasty. He hits 
at an incredible level. I know the defense is probably not what we like in right field. Is there any chance that the defense gets better? It's his first year. Can we do that or no? Probably not. Okay. I mean, Charlie's body has broken down. Is there like a first base Charlie? Is that a fun Rocky thing? Oh, I like that. We've talked to our guy, Mark Knudsen, who is a pitcher in Major League Baseball, a Colorado native for years, has talked about this possibility. I don't know if the the Rockies have talked about it, but Charlie's 6'3", 6'4". I'd be very curious to see if he okay. could do it. Look, he was a pitcher in college. Charlie's not going to say no if you ask him right. to do something. Maybe a stick him in left. His defense in the outfield has been bad. Let's be honest right. about it. It's bad. But the guy can hit. And I am all in favor of him putting on another 10, 15 pounds, oh, going that. over to first yeah. base. Hit me 35 to 40 home runs a year. Don't worry about your defense so much, but he's got to be able to pick it. Because right. Nolan and Trevor need to be able to right. dig that ball out and huck it over there. That's that's actually, and that's a fantastic point, because if you don't have someone at first base, and maybe this ties into the Murphy discussion, maybe it's a Blackman discussion, maybe it's maybe it's something cool we don't even know about. Last maybe. year it was a Desmond discussion. Right. Um, you're... Two of the guys that are your strength on the left side of the infield, you can be hurting them if you don't have the proper first baseman. So I always compare it to being able to rebound in the NBA. You can play okay. good defense, make them miss the shot, but if you can't get the rebound, then what are we doing? What are we yeah. doing out here? Okay. You go make a great diving play in the hole, throw the ball to first base. If Daniel Murphy or Ian Desmond can't pick it out, where Todd Helton used to all the time, or Mark Reynolds was so fantastic for yeah. years. Yonder Alonso actually looks good this year picking the Ryan McMahon can do it. And that's that's the interesting thing that I think we're circling around right now is the McMahon thing because you mentioned I mean if you slip McMahon to first and you have Hampson Hampson, Valeka, and Rogers fight it out for second, maybe, that makes a little Not sense. Not the worst thing in the world. You know, you could see that makes sense. So Rogers is more capable of having a Cody Bellinger-type breakout, that young player who really comes on as anybody in the game. I okay. truly believe that. I've seen Brendan Rodgers a lot. He's got to stay healthy. Right. But he can do it. He can be that guy, that Gary Sanchez. No one was talking about him before the season. Halfway through, people are going, look at this guy. He's a Special. star in the league. Special. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and I mean, what that tells me right now is, I mean, heading into the season, I mean, you're, every team basically wants – a bench isn't a bench anymore. Bench is guys that play. They just move around. Right. So, I mean, maybe that's Brendan Rodgers. Maybe that's Hampson. Um, maybe, or maybe that's McMahon. Right. I mean, maybe McMahon comes in next year as a second base, first base – Third base, left field. Can we throw him somewhere? Yeah, I don't know. So Why not? So, anyway, so we got Chuck Nasty. Tapia, we want to believe. Right. If he's not a third outfielder, he's a – if he's not an exciting third outfielder, he's an awesome fourth outfielder, if you want to look at him like that. Absolutely. David Dahl made the all-star team. We've got some injury concerns. You get a chance to watch Dahl when he's healthy – I mean, have you seen him? Because this young man can play. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know if people who don't watch it close, you look at the numbers, you go, hey, he's pretty good. Like, not like. He's good. God. Yeah. If he, if he was a New York Yankee, people would be saying, 
That is uh that's one of my favorite games to play by the way. If he um, was a New York Yankee. <laughs> because uh there was there was a guy in the Marlins this year, uh Yamamoto, who in his first like eight starts he had a two five ERA and I was like, No one knows this guy and if his first eight starts on the Yankees he had a two five ERA, right, he'd be like the face of MLB Instagram. Right. Um so um so who else are we missing in the outfield? If we've got Dahl, we've got Tapia, we've got Blackman. Well, and Desmond has been the other guy, and he's the, the guy. He, he's he, your other utility He knife. is the man without a position. Right. Is what he's become. Which can be a bad thing or can be a great thing. Right. And I think that's where he's danced between, between the Rockies. Because I'll tell you what, and I don't want to say that's this. That's so perfect. You just nailed that. Without, I'm not even sure you realize how much you nailed well, that. Well, I don't, I don't want to say this in a rude way because I, I, I enjoy in Desmond. I, well, you should. And I mean, people who are frustrated are also right. They're not in the wrong. Right. Um, right. He got paid. Um, he's a guy that came up as a shortstop back in the day. Um, I know. Didn't didn't he get thrown out there a little bit? Um, yeah. Oh, but, when Trevor Story got hurt last year, the Rockies had to throw him at short for a how, game. How old is Ian Desmond? Thirty-two. He's my age. <laughs> Ian Desmond. Yeah. I so circling back. Third base is a very special position, to me. I just think when the play is made there, it looks different than anywhere else in the world. I love it. Center field is the other one for me. I just think you could cover ground. You own the out. You own the outfield. Um, maybe that's a little Napoleon syndrome. Follow at Talking Jake. Um, Ian Desmond as your starting center fielder ain't it. It's not it. Chief, <laughs> I, I know I that that, right? that sounds pretty millennial or whatever it is. It's not it. You're right. Thirty. But the Rockies have, have admitted to as much. Uh, right. They, they tried and tried and tried to fit that square peg into that round hole, and I honestly, I thought it would work. Right. Desmond's a hell of an athlete. He's an athlete. We were talking before this episode about guys who could have played. Safety, right? Or running back, or point guard. Desmond's one of those guys. Ian, Ian, Ian Desmond, Desmond, he could be on any four of the Denver teams. He'd be a professional <laughs> athlete if Ian Desmond had decided at seven years old he loves soccer. Right. He'd be, in, he'd be a professional <laughs> yeah. footballer right yeah. now. But and so I, center field didn't work out so good. All right. Unfortunately, that is where our conversation got cut off by some element of the technology. I'm sure still not entirely sure what happened there. But I just want to thank uh, Jake for hanging out at Sports Column, talking with me. We'll have him back on the podcast again. I've got at least 40 minutes to make up with you guys of actual Rockies analysis there. But since we've already done uh, a lot of talking about the, the sponsors throughout, I will just throw to one very quick commercial break. Uh, you already know about Breckenridge Brewery being the official beer of BSN Denver. So as such, I'll do this one real quick. Come back on the other side. I've got a Q&A with some Rockies fans. And my thoughts really uh, on why I continue to love covering this team for all of you despite everything that's going on. So be on the lookout for the, all of that on the other side of this quick commercial break. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. 
What makes Weinsters special is that the majority of wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping cost. I especially love Weinster because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums, so sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. Welcome back in to the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Wanted to uh, jump in here after that abrupt ending to the last conversation with some Q&A from Rockies fans to finish this thing out. And I, I do want to give a couple of top line thoughts on some things that I've seen recently, a couple little bits of research and, and information I've been out there searching. So it's going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge. We're going to jump around here again. If anyone's concerned about this jumping around, just let me know. Shoot me an email, Drew at bsndenver.com, or hit me up on Twitter if you'd prefer. I go back to going through each game, sort of here's what the pitching did, here's how the defense looked, here's what the offense did. I can do that. I just I don't get the sense that at this time that's really where people's heads are at. And a big part of the reason it comes in the form of the first question that I got here on the Facebook Live. It comes from Austin, who begins quite simply – with the question I think a lot of people have on their minds, what kind of changes do you see being made after the season concludes? That is a big question, Austin, and I think there are going to be some. I don't know that there's going to be anything huge and sweeping or anything that you might construe as fundamental. I, I don't think, for example, that either... Jeff Breidich or Bud Black are anywhere near hot seats. I don't think that it makes sense for new hitting coach Dave Magadan to be in any kind of trouble, uh, considering the fact that the offense actually has gotten better, specifically most of the young players have gotten better, and it's just his first year with the club. He's got a lot of experience. I expect Dave Magadan to hold on. Similarly, and we've talked about this, there are arguments against pitching coaches Steve Foster and Darren Holmes, to be sure, but they really don't hold a ton of water, still less than one calendar year removed from by far the best pitching season in Rockies history. And I think it's important to remember that, to see the positive strides that some of these guys have made throughout the season as Kyle Freeland has been better his last few times out before getting hurt the turnaround that John Gray made and I think there's just a lot of missed logic going on when people get frustrated at the pitching and want to put it on the coaches to me that just doesn't make sense it was the same coaching staff as a year ago when they were really good and it's the same coaching staff that took John Gray who was very clearly struggling and turned him into one of the better pitchers in the National League as he has been throughout the year so as such 
I, I really don't think that there's going to be any of those because that's a lot of times. Those are typically the first moves. If teams are going to clean house, uh, clean some things up, they might make coaching moves first. Uh, I Maybe you could see some, some other things. I don't know about, you know, Stu Cole over at third base and, and the base running situation where they want to go there. Sometimes guys just find other jobs. That happened with Tony Diaz last season who had been at first base for them the year before. Uh, so there are a number of things that can change on that level and then throughout the organization. All, th that stuff will all kind of move around. It almost always does. But I don't think there's going to be anything like that. And I don't think that they're going to move immediately to rebuild mode, sell off Nolan Arenado or Charlie Blackman or John Gray or anything like that. So I do think that the season will conclude and the Rockies will go quiet for a while. Um, they're certainly going to do everything they can to shop the veterans with contracts that they would like to move off of their books. But for the most part, it's unlikely they get a taker for more than one of them. And really, Daniel Murphy is going to be the most promising bet for the Rockies and that seems like unlikely to be the the move that really opens up a path for the Rockies to make some big move because they they got rid of 12 million dollars owed to Daniel Murphy when they got 17 million going to Wade Davis and a combined 18 million over that going to Shaw and McGee uh, you can get a, you, you can help you I mean any every bit helps and so if you can if Daniel Murphy is the only guy you can move Daniel Murphy is the only guy you can move and you feel okay about it because you got Ryan McMahon and Hampson and Rogers over there at second base and, and and you're feeling fine there but does that little bit make it so that you can go out and sign Madison Bumgarner no and does it make it so that you can completely retool your bullpen no it maybe makes it so that you can get an extra bullpen guy, and that's a big step in that direction. That's why I think if you see anything, it'll be something like that. The The first move will be some kind of domino of the Rockies moving a Murphy or a McGee or a Shara Davis or a Desmond if they can, probably for a less than exciting prospect return while eating some of the contract, but creating some space so that they can go out and, and do some things particularly in the bullpen. It's not going to get a whole lot of people rocking and rolling. And you know what? I could be wrong. I, I could, they, the season could end. And the next day they could say, we want to be the front runners for Madison Baumgartner and all our money's on the table. Who knows? That's not been their MO, but there are, you know, every ball player is different and every season is different. And people react to things differently. I, I was talking on the last podcast about the human element of baseball and Tim Melville. Well, another human element of baseball are, another human element are, is, excuse me, people like uh, Jeff Breidich, Dick Monfort. How does Dick Monfort respond to this season? You can't just look at the past and say, well, he's only spent X, Y, and Z, and they keep quoting they're only going to do responsible growth. And I do think you have to take all of that into consideration. But 
you also have to ask yourself, how is this person who does want to win and who also does think of his players as family, how is he going to respond to the way this season has gone if Nolan Arenado continues to be frustrated, especially if it goes into next season, he may recognize that it's on him to eat these contracts for one year and go out and spend big anyway because at least after 2020, most of this stuff is going to come off the books and you're going to have relief there, but you may just have to buy bite excuse me, uh, the bullet. And if they don't, that's okay, and it's understandable why they would maybe not want to do it that way. But they've got an opportunity here. We don't know which way it's going to go and, until they do something, and we'll find out. I don't necessarily know that their issues can be solved just by throwing money at the problem, going and getting one or two or three big free agents. Uh, I still think that ultimately – the Rockies will be successful if and when the core of their current group really gets it together, stays healthy, and produces the best that they're capable of. And that includes guys like Marquez and Freeland and Lambert and Gray and Story and Arenado and Dahl and Blackman. Those guys really need to make it work. Oberg's got to come back strong. That's where I think they got to fix things. They need Diaz and Estevez, and then they really, they, that's where they need the most bolstering. And if they can get some stability there, one starter to stabilize the team, I think they're in a decent spot, and they don't necessarily have to go huge, and that's why I don't expect them to. But then that's putting all the eggs back in that basket. And it makes some sense, but is it the way that you would go? Probably not, but it's not your money to spend either, right? <laughs> it's easy for all of us to sit out here and say, oh, yeah, oh, they should go spend all the, just give Madison Bumgarner $30 million. <laughs> it's easy for you to say, buddy. <laughs> $30 million is quite a bit of money. And, you know, we have seen a lot of positive signs out of guys like Raimal Tapia, who's been coming along quite a bit in this second half and is very close to getting his season batting average to 300, which is what I've said he needs to do to stick around and, and to really be a weapon. And as his defense improves, he's a weapon in that regard as well. Not always, you know, sometimes he's a double-edged sword as a weapon because sometimes he hurts you, but he's also capable, we've seen he's capable of taking runs off the board, of making the phenomenal, fantastic, spectacular play. He's just got to cut down a little bit on those other things. But I, I got to tell you, I've been very impressed recently with the play of Ryan Maltapia, still with the play of Ryan McMahon. I, I, I didn't mention, I mentioned this on Twitter and I made a mistake because Dom Nunez has caught Tim Melville before this year in AAA. But Dom Nunez needs credit for calling that game and working through that lineup and being a major factor in an unknown commodity going seven innings of two-hit, one-run baseball in uh, an environment where it's possible to score a lot of runs very quickly and against an offense that does that. AJ asks, is there any way Tim Melville doesn't win the week next week? He better. That, 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 that argument ought to be in the bag. 
I got to double check our timing of when we're recording the next episode of the Denver Sports Podcast. I hope you guys are listening to that one. Uh, even if you're not necessarily interested in the other sports, first of all, it's been a lot of fun. I have so much fun uh, doing that podcast, and I'm learning a lot uh, about the other sports. I feel like it's helped keeping me more up to date with what's going on in the other sports. I can get very tunnel visioned uh, doing baseball. A lot of times it's renewed my energy to want to try to learn this season more about uh, the abs and the nuggets. And it certainly helps that the Rockies are probably not going to be factors here. Uh, The nuggets look to be a true contender in the NBA. And I really have always wanted to learn more about hockey. I've just never taken the plunge. One of these years I'll do it. I know I've said it on this podcast before. Um, but those who win the who won the week segments are a lot of fun. Uh, I was a little bit bummed. I, I couldn't get Dom Nunez to get a little bit higher of a percentage than he got because he was absolutely fantastic in his debut and, and really has shown up and looked like a major leaguer from the moment he stepped out there he's hitting the ball hard he's catching a great game he's framing the ball up well he's playing athletically behind the plate Uh, I also had a chance to talk one-on-one with Bud Black to get his opinions on him as a receiver and I caught up with Dom uh, because of course I did uh, to to get his thoughts on how he's developed as a receiver so you can be on the lookout for that at bsndenver.com make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it Uh, Austin says, I just highlighted the main issue with Monfort as an owner. He wants to win but thinks of players as family. That doesn't work. The Rockies have notoriously waited too long to make make difficult decisions with players because the front office likes them as people. Monfort wants to win but doesn't know how. The team's history supports this theory. I I will say, Austin, I don't think you're entirely wrong, and I've seen this going around uh, a little bit, and it's always been a part of the conversation with the Rockies. But something that I think is really funny is that I don't think there's any one right answer to this, and I don't think that there's any one wrong answer to this. There are a lot of organizations who are cold-blooded and calculated and who don't treat their players like family, and they've won just as much or less than the Rockies. For example, over the last couple of years, the Seattle Mariners have been one of those teams. And they haven't been good since they had Ken Griffey Jr. Like, the there are a lot of teams. The, now, the Oakland A's are a little bit different, right? I, the, part of the problem, I think, when people think on these philosophical terms, and, I, and I'll see this one a lot. This is happening on the development debate about the Rockies right now. They don't develop right. Look at what the Yankees are doing. Look at what the Dodgers are doing, the way they can grab these guys and turn them into superstar players. But the problem with that is you're comparing your team who's, who's failing right now to the two not just best organizations in baseball, currently but two of the best organizations in all of professional sports for the last 50 to 100 years and so and and it's not that you shouldn't want to compete on that level with those teams so so I want to be I want to be clear about that too you you should very much say we should compete with those teams and there's some money logistics We, we don't have time to go down that rabbit hole right this second about why it's not just as easy as saying why don't you develop guys like them but there are 25 other teams in baseball wondering why they can't turn out superstar caliber players 
from basically nothing the way the Los Angeles Dodgers have been able to, the way the New York Yankees are starting to do now. And what's not talked about when teams are struggling, like when a team builds a winner and they're a family, like the Giants did three times and the Royals did twice. Now the Royals only won the World Series once, but I'm going to call the Royals and the family of homegrown guys that they built and how much they made that a big deal. They went to back-to-back World Series. You know, they, it's, it's a good thing, and it's a good-feeling story then, but then when your team's losing, it, it can be folded into a part of the reason why they lose. They don't make the tough decisions and, and cut guys because they're loyal to them. But I feel like what most often gets lost in that is that there are plenty of teams out there that do make the cold-blooded decision, cut the guy because he's not getting it done, ship him out, uh, and don't have any success to show for it. The Chicago White Sox have wheeled and dealed a lot over the last decade and a half with nothing to show for it. Uh, I mentioned the Seattle Mariners. There are a lot of teams that have done this. They're not all the Houston Astros and Philadelphia 76ers who purposefully are terrible for a little while, then draft and develop, then make huge splash moves to go get a Justin Verlander and now a Zach Greinke and off to the races they're probably going to win the world series it it sometimes it does work out just like sometimes a family homegrown built team can win the world series and what's weird to me is in the last decade we've seen more of the other way more of the homegrown kind of ragtag group of guys as opposed to you know these super teams this isn't the nba in the nba the super team thing has worked really really well over the years but in major league baseball like the angels were supposed to be a super team and they had mike trout and they brought in albert pools and cj wilson remember cj wilson all this other stuff that they tried to do all the money that they spent all the swindling moves that they made you can be cold-blooded and calculated or or spend all the money and be blockbuster and big budget but that doesn't guarantee wins either so I see where it comes from, and I don't think – I think there are probably individual cases in which the Rockies being loyal to specific players maybe hurt them competitively. I think that's fair to say. I do not think that as an overarching philosophy, the Rockies liking their own homegrown players and or even guys that they bring in, but treating them like a family, I don't believe that that's been to the detriment of the team. I don't. And, and I understand why. But again, if you're going to take just the, the fact of the team's been bad, you could take any characteristic of the squad and say, well, that's why they've been bad, right? Anything you wanted to say that, that's a common thread throughout the history of the Rockies, they play in Denver. That's, that's why they're bad, because they play in Denver. You say, look at the history of the team. It supports my argument. Or you could say, you know, they're owned by the mom. The, that hadn't been ca- the case the whole time. Just, and some people do. And, and they'll make those arguments. And, and that's why I don't like those ones in particular, because you need to be able to draw the specific link. You can't just say, well, because it's always going to be the case, right, that the team has struggled throughout their history. Those struggles don't automatically support any argument that could be made. Well, they've messed this up and that up, and it's because they were loyal. Therefore, their loyalty is cost them. I think, it's, I think it's just more complicated than that. And I think there are times when their loyalty, including just last year when they won 91 games, uh, really helped create a culture and an atmosphere of a team that was able to do something pretty special. Going into Wrigley Field and beating the winningest pitcher in postseason history 
in a postseason game. Eric says, do you think Justin Lawrence will be ready for the majors next year? Yeah, he took sort of a weird uh, step. I don't know if it was back or sideways after spring training. I need to get my eyes on him a little bit better. Relief pitcher who was throwing sidearm at 99 miles an hour is going to catch your eye anytime. But, uh, you know, a little bit of injury stuff, some command issues this year. You want to see what he's got going on. Uh, but he's definitely one of the guys I'll have my eyes on closest when we get to spring training next year. Uh, because as we know, the the biggest concern right now for the Rockies is their bullpen. And the other thing that we know is that they don't have a ton of avenues to spend money to make it better. So guys like Justin Lawrence and Ben Bowden, all of a sudden the importance of those players becomes that much more. They, they need some of these guys to pop to help them out uh, because – Either one, they're not going to be able to go out and spend the money, or two, we saw last time, going out and spending the money doesn't guarantee anything. You might go out and spend the money and get Brian Shaw. So Will says, are we going to see some limits starting on Marquez before his most recent start? He led MLB in innings and is uh, top 15 in pitches thrown. Yeah, they got to stop. They got to knock that off right now. I'm at, Look, I, I love watching our man Marquez pitch. I enjoy watching people take ugly swings. He's got a chance. Uh, uh, Patrick Lyons was tweeting out the other day. I believe he just uh, moved into ninth place this season on the all-time Rockies strikeout list. Of course, he set the record for single-season strikeouts a year ago. He may be able to break his own record or at least get into the top five so that before he's reached the age of 25 years old, Herman Marquez will own two of the five best strikeout seasons in the history of the Colorado Rockies. So that would be, I'll go with interesting and fun. And that would be, again, we talked about this with like the John Gray injury. It's okay to want things to celebrate in a tough year. And that would be a really good thing to celebrate in a tough year. But you need this guy, Herman Marquez, and what he can do for you in 2020 matters 100,000 times more than Herman Marquez and what he can do for you for the rest of 2019. It just does not matter. It just doesn't. And, and, and I know there are a lot of purists out there who hate hearing that, but this is the one sport where there are times in the season and times in the life of a franchise where you still try to win every game and you still try to take the field winning every game, but you don't manage yourself that way. You have to deprioritize winning every single baseball game and prioritize the health of your core players moving forward. And I would argue prioritize the experience and testing of this young crop of players. More Daza, more Nunez, more Hampson. I want to see some Sam Hilliard, maybe Brian Mundell, more Tinoco, Almonte. That's, I, I think, what needs to be, all of that should be prioritized over winning. Now, winning is still like priority number three, right? And you still got to go out there and the integrity of the game and all that stuff, and, and I'm for it. But this stuff is more important now. All right, before we get out of here, Len asks a fantastic question. He says, how do you and Patrick stay, quote, in love with your job during these dog days of a season lost? And 
I don't want to oversimplify things, Len, but I will say this. It's not hard. Are there days I'm a little bit exhausted because of the driving and the long hours, and it is a little bit weird to try to talk about a, a baseball team that's not performing and not competing? Sure. But I cover baseball every day. Man, I love baseball. Ultimately, my job is to watch the game as closely as I can, uh, read the reports around the league, and then write about it and talk about it and do my best to be as available to all of you as I can be to answer as many questions as I can, probably not totally satisfactorily, but as much as I can. And I love Rockies fans. Like, I love baseball, but, like, the people, honestly, there are some ways in which these times reveal much more to me the people who can't live without the game. I, not that I don't love the conversations with the, the the people who are in when the team's doing well. And you know what? We, we sell more subscriptions. We sell more shirts when the team's playing well. That's just the fact of the matter. And, yeah, I, it bums me out. And Kyle Freeland having a rough year has probably hurt our sale of homegrown T-shirts. It happens. But you know what, man? Like, this is the dream. And the people who are listening to this podcast right now, this one here today, or who have come by this Facebook Live, you're following the same baseball team I am. It's got to be rough on you, but here you are. Here you are asking me that question. And and other questions about what do they do in the offseason? Austin's arguing with me about do they – treat their players too much like family, but we're arguing about it, and he wants to know, and he wants to fix it. And so I love Rockies fans because you've been given so little over the years to celebrate in the way that sports is traditionally celebrated. One World Series appearance, zero wins, never won a division title in a division with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I've watched this team since I was six years old when they became a franchise. And they have never, ever been considered a contender to win the World Series. Legitimately, except maybe in 09 and maybe this year. And yes, Austin, with the exception of the people that do the wave. <laughs> and even the people that do the wave. Maybe not the people that instigate the wave. I love Rockies fans. I've been that person who, in November and December, when there was no baseball and the team had lost 90 games the year before, still wanted to know, what are they going to do at short? What are they going to do off the bench who's going to be their fourth reliever and I've been there because I love this game but I've I've really come to love and respect the people that follow this team no matter what whether you're cynical about it positive about it whatever the case may be that's what makes the job easy it's you guys and I'm not saying that to pander I'm legitimately telling you why I can continue to do podcasts and write articles because I know exactly who my audience is. It's the people who wake up every day wondering about 
the hitch in Garrett Hampson's swing and the little extra movement in Kyle Freeland's delivery and whether or not Yonder Alonso might still make an interesting bench bat for 2020 and whether or not they might be able to get creative and moving some and that it just runs through your head all the time and when I see some of you out at Denver Milk Market or Blake Street Tavern or any of the other places I hang out around Coors Field and I see you and you're wearing jerseys and you're drinking Breck brews and you're eating food and what do you want to talk about baseball baseball doesn't matter what the record of the team is it changes the nature of the conversation. I love this job. I love talking baseball, and I love talking baseball with Rockies fans. I would do this for food money. Sometimes that's basically what I do it for, but I live the dream. After this series, the Colorado Rockies will return home. I will drive my tired ass down to Coors Field, and I will walk right up to the locker of Trevor Story, or Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, some of the greatest players in the game, and, and, and in Nolan's case, arguably one of the greatest players to ever step foot on the baseball diamond of this game that I so love and respect. And I can ask him a couple of questions and take five minutes of his time and then come and talk to all of you about what he said. I am living the dream, and I refuse to take it for granted. So that is how I get through the dog days. Thank you, Len, for that question. All right, I think that was a pretty good wrap-up conversation. I appreciate you guys coming in and, and giving me some stuff to, to chew on there from a little bit of a, a bigger picture analysis point of view and we can continue these conversations i'll be doing a couple more podcasts over the weekend uh, talking about this series but just continuing to dive deeper and deeper into these questions i want to hear all your feedback from what i just said uh, i see austin's got another comment here but i want to continue that conversation on whether or not the team is too much of a family do they have these development issues continue to give my part of that conversation hear from all of you on what needs to happen for this team moving forward because that's what we do that's what this is all about that's why we're here so thank you all so much for listening in today make sure you're following us on social media at bsn rockies at drew creaseman at patrick d lyons give us a like share and subscribe on facebook or whatever podcast app you happen to be using a five star one sentence review really helps people find us learn about us uh, become more engaged they can leave awesome questions and then you are the beneficiary of it because the podcast is better so if you can take a little bit of time out of your day to leave us a review it really really does help plus it always makes my day whenever i see that we got a review and someone wrote something i read it i smile i like it i usually leave a little comment uh because you guys are just the absolute absolute best i am the absolute drew creaseman and until next time i will see you at the ballpark diamond club baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your colorado rockies to run their scout team program diamond club is based right here in denver and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game that's why i have my son playing with diamond club because it's 
it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more.